Hi guys and welcome to the Parts of Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash as always. And yeah, obviously one big subject this week is um Anthony well Arthur Batebiev versus Anthony Yard, um which turned out to be a better fight than even the most optimistic of us Yard fans expected, you know. I wrote a whole piece about how Yard had a better chance than most people were gonna give him, but I still expected it to be like he'll take out you know, if he if he wins, he would be taking out Baturbiev early and otherwise he's gonna you know, it's gonna be a bit one sided. Um instead we got a back and forth, really good boxing brutal boxing fight. It was you know, it was really good. An um, early contender fight of the year. So yeah, we're gonna talk about that a bit. The card also had a fight between Artem Delakin and David Jimenez, which I will talk about briefly. It wasn't a very good fight, but, um, you know, a little bit to talk about there. And it was a title fight, so so worth mentioning. And I'll sort of skate over the prospects on the card. Um, you know, not too much to say, but uh, Moses, um, Karen Atalma lost unexpectedly. And uh, Moses Atalma made his debut. I'll talk about both of them, even though, you know, Moses Atalma, there's nothing to say. Um, he knocked his opponent out in 13 seconds, didn't even land a punch on his head, so, you know. Um, anyway, let's get started on Yard versus Batebiev. As anyone who, you know, listens to me or follows me on Twitter or reads my posts at all knows, um, <laughs> I am a Yard fan, so um, I was happy to see him perform well. Um, obviously, he lost. Um, story of the fight. Um, Yard came out. Um, boxing on the back foot better than I expected and um, really catching Batebio with this check, check hook that he was throwing and matadoring him into the ropes a bit and well, you know at one point he fully made him fall into the corner um, he probably you know he wasn't necessarily winning those rounds um, Batebio I had him 2-1 I had Batebio up 2-1 up after two after 3 um, but Yard was in that and making Batebio uncomfortable coming forward the way he was so Batebio adjusted um, started using the jab much more that worked for him um, and he did end up uh, hurting Yard and pushing him into the corners but even there um, he felt the need to change up a bit you know he didn't push through and finish the fight right there even though he had him badly hurt and forth and then he started backing off playing it a bit more cool waiting for Yard to come to him fading into the corners and spinning him into the corners and wailing him in there that's where he did a lot of damage and slowed Yard down a lot. And then the ending came in the eighth round where uh, this, this was out in centre ring. He didn't spin into the corner for this. But he um, basically Yard dipped down for a shovel hook to the body. You know, I call it a shovel hook. It was one of those kind of, you know, not every punch is cleanly delineated. But, um, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll go with shovel hook. Um, and Yard sort of popped back up into an overhand right, which I'm pretty sure Berterbiev had been setting up, you know, he'd been looking, he'd been, he'd seen Yard was doing that and he decided to counter. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, Berterbiev made smart adjustments to deal with things Yard was doing. But, um, but I do want to address a couple of things that I've been seeing people talk about. I wrote an article about this on Bloody Elbow, as ever. Not as ever, I don't always write about on Bloody Elbow. Sometimes, sometimes I write on the fight site too. Um, no, you know, but this is one of the fights I did cover there, so I had a post-fight uh, fight thing there. And, you know, um, since since I wrote that, there have been a couple of... I've seen people mentioning just basically not giving Yard the credit or making Baturbiev... You know, I've seen people saying Baturbiev didn't need to adjust to beat Yard or that um, Baturbiev was never in danger or that he never 
you know, that yard wasn't ever really having success. And it's like, yes, Baterbiev clearly had, you know, even when they were in early in the early rounds, Baterbiev was having, doing them more damage. It was really only the Czech hook where Yard had the clear advantage. Um, after that, you know, they were exchanging the corners. Yard was, um, uh, Baterbiev had Yard in the corners, but he was pushing him there. Baterbiev had Yard hurt, but he backed off and stepped off and decided to do something else. And that didn't happen for no reason. You know, um, I saw people saying, uh, you know, Batebiev was never hurt. He was never, you know, wobbled. He was never like, oh no, panic stations. But he clearly felt shots from Yard that uh, that um, he didn't like. And, uh, you know, pretending that didn't happen, it's a discredit to Yard. But it's also, it's both giving Batebiev, like too much credit. And I don't want to, you know, be going at him for something that you know he had a really good it was a really good performance he was really good but there are things to take out of this performance from Poterbiev that weren't perfect um, so there's that but also denying denying that he had to make adjustments sort of denying that he did it's like pretending that he is this come forward machine and he never had to do anything else um, and he's, he thought about like that's the thing that impressed me most in the fight from Berterbiev you know we know about the power and we already knew about his um, ability to pick punches and really adjust his punches in the, in the, on the front foot in the pocket we knew about that and we did also know that he can box on the back foot like um, that's something I've, um, I wrote about um, before his Joe Smith fight um, his ability to, um, to to go on the back foot when he wants to but um it was his ability to think under fire and adjust on the fly uh, when he when he was a bit, you know, both when he was uncomfortable and when he was really comfortable, but still had to think, okay, maybe maybe I'll do something else, maybe not risk it, because that was part of what that was part of what Yard's downfall as well. Yard never had that, so you know, let me let's sort of go back to the start again and talk about what I'm talking about. So um, we're not all the way up to the start. I'm talking about the check hooks and Bertobia's adjustment with the jab already. But um, at the end of the third, Bertobia did hurt Yard. He um, he clubbed him pretty hard and um, and he didn't fully recover through the round break. So when he came out in the fourth round, Bertobia started to really push at Yard and um, really tried to push him into the corners and onto the ropes. And he had real success doing that. And he did. Um, you know, he did push Yard, push Yard into the into the ropes, and he was unloading on him, and it looked like it might end there. But Yard never, not only did he never stop throwing, but he never stopped throwing the right punches. He didn't stop defending either, you know, and his defense isn't perfect, and I don't think Yard's defense will ever be perfect. But um, it was good enough to live with the power, and deal with the power and the pressure he was under, and open up spaces for him to counter. And he did some, especially to the body, in those situations in that corner, he was like unloading, um, so something Yard really likes, is a sort of, um, you know, one a body shot to both, with both hands very quickly. Um, and Bertobiev clearly didn't like that. And there were other shots Yard was thrown to, you know, upstairs, all that kind of thing. But I think it was a body shot, so it was really like, Bertobiev was like, you know, he didn't stagger or, you know, he wasn't winded, but he didn't like dealing with that. And it, the thing was, Nothing that Batobi was doing on the attack there was enough to stop Yard throwing them. And um, for me, you know, that saying that is not an insult to Baturbiev. It's just not. It's just, it's frustrating watching this from Yard because it makes me think again, you know, where could he have been um, with the proper training from the start? 
because and I'll talk to I'll talk about Tunde and the and the coaching at the end. But um, but it's clear there's been an improvement, <laughs> and it, that's great to see. But it is does make you wonder where he could have been with the properly guided career, um, from the start. Uh, but yeah, he Yard really like he was under fire. He was in a position where you really don't want to be against Betterbiev, and he didn't just shut up and try to survive. He um. He fought back and backed him off, and um, and Beterbiev, um just decided on a different strategy. And I will say this, I you know I'm saying it's not an insult to Beterbiev. It's I don't think it's an insult to Beterbiev to call out um, flaws in his game either. But um, I always like, I had previously thought Beterbiev on the back foot is pretty polished his footwork he can be he he does the right things he you know he does all the right steps and all of that going forward he's often been pretty crude like he always gets it into the right positions but he takes shortcuts to get there he leans over balance all that kind of thing and the thought was you know maybe he's like a Golovkin where he will do that kind of thing or the you know Golovkin was never that off balance but he will do that kind of thing when he feels no threat but he'll polish it up when he does feel a threat I think this fight made it clear that uh, that no uh, that Beterbiev when he feels a threat when he's on really on the front foot and he really feels a counter threat he doesn't have the technical game to suddenly be a more polished pressure fighter that, that his footwork suddenly you know that he can suddenly correct his footwork and stop taking those shortcuts I didn't. I don't think we saw that from him because I, uh, I don't think that's true. Because I think if we if that had been true, he would have done it. Um, and you know the, the best, and it was a good adjustment. The best we saw from him was you know leaning on the jab. He was more patient, but he was still leaving his chin exposed when he got inside. He was still leaving his um. You know, I mean, okay, he, you can't do anything about uh, leaving your body exposed, but you know his guard again. Um, he hasn't got this wonderful. He hasn't got this act, the same active guard that Igolovkin does, or someone like that. You know, com- comparable fighters, um, pressure fighters. His his defense is maybe better than you sometimes give it credit for, but it's not fantastic. It's n- and it's not one of those where he can make it fantastic. He's not one of those where he can bring that fantastic defense out of the, out of the bag when he needs it to. Um, so he does something else, and this is what I like from him. You know, he did something else. He went on the back foot. He uh, goaded yard in. And he started spinning yard into the corners and really wailing him on there. <laughs> and that was a big difference between them. Um, that was where yard fell down because um, Viterbiev noticed, even when he was having clear success and clearly hurting yard, he noticed, okay, I don't like this. I need to change something up. I need to do something else. Yard, on the other hand, he was pushing Viterbiev into the corners and he was like, oh, what? this is good. And, you know, he was seeing Viterbiev react to some of the body shots and some of the hooks upstairs as well. Um, and he was like, okay, I'm going to chase this down. I'm going to chase this down. And the first time, that's forgivable. You know, you, you see an opponent drop into the corner. You go after him. He spins you into the corner. He wasn't as hurt as you thought he was. You know, whoops. Um, but Yard fought his way out again, um, just about. Um, but he was finding it harder in those situations because what Beterbiev was doing then was spinning him directly into and Yard was being spun and his reaction to being spun and then Beterbiev was going directly into hitting him and Yard no longer had the space or he was reacting only to the shots and wasn't having time to set up the counters and that was much better for Beterbiev than pushing through Yard's fire and coming into the exchange on even terms and Yard never scoped that. Like, this happened three or four times before the ending after the first time. 
And Gerard never figured that out. You know, he never went, uh oh, you know, it's possible that in the, by the eighth round he had, but, uh, you know, by then it was, he'd taken so much gas out of the tank doing that. Um, that was too late. And that was, for me, like a big difference. Yeah, there were, dif- there were differences in technique and power, clearly. But that was the difference for me, was the, uh, Beterbiev in the moment, um, had that nous to go, okay, let's do th- something else. But, you know, Yard, really does rise in profile from this. Like, he he fought a really good fight. He's the first guy since Gwazdyk, and one of the only guys to fight, survive this long with Baterbiev. And, you know, he was in there trying to win the whole time. And even Gwazdyk, you know, Gwazdyk was clearly a better, he's a better fighter than Yard and had a, probably, well, he had a better performance. He had more points on the board, so to speak. But, um, but Kvostik was about moving and, you know, back and forth. And that's probably a better plan. But but Yard is the first guy who's, I think, stepped into Berterbiev and really fought with him since Callum Johnson. And I would say this, is, you know, against Berterbiev, that was always going to be very tr- tricky. And, you know, he did try to go on the back foot. You know, big improvements there too. Um, but at the end of the day, he was always going to have to be in the pocket with him and he did pretty well. Against Viterbiev, that was always, you know, if he couldn't figure out, you know, it was always going to be tricky. It was always going to be hard to beat Viterbiev uh, fighting in the pocket, fighting pocket wards. But no, no one else is in the division is Viterbiev, that's what I'm saying here. Um, so, um, looking for the future, yeah, I don't think Yard beats Bivol. I don't think his footwork is ever going to be quite that good. Um, but everyone else in the division, watching Yard do that, is going to be having difficulties I think you know put him in put him, put him in against Zerda Ramirez I'd pick Yard to win that at this point um, you know they're kind of similar in that their footwork isn't that good but once they're in the pocket they throw really clean but at this point I think Yard does more like he I think he throws harder he throws faster he's um he's not throwing rope combinations which Zerda is not quite guilty of but he doesn't have as much variation and much as much um intent on each shot as Yard was showing in this fight. Um, which, I th- to be honest, I think that's always been something Yard does well. Um, pick his shots, you know. They haven't always been technically well founded, but he's always picked the holes in his opponent's games well. And Zerdo, I don't think, really does. He he throws nice combinations and, you know, so, I, you know, um, I'd pick Yard in that fight. Yeah, um, Yard against Joe Smith. If Joe Smith, come, you know, is, hasn't retired, it's hard to know. Um Yard against at this point I'd pick Yard against Boatzi from what we've seen of Boatzi. Boatzi maybe has the high ceiling, but um you know there is a lot of potential for Yard and I really hope he doesn't go back down to what he's been doing before, which was going back to fighting guys who have absolutely no hope against him, who don't advance as you know, that don't teach him anything, just sitting and waiting for for Frank Warren to get him the next title shot. Like I hope he doesn't do that because it will be a disservice to himself. And it would be a disservice to the fans because there's a lot for him. But Serbia, uh, meanwhile, obviously, obviously, we want to see him fight um, Bivol. Um, and yeah, I think this fight goes some way to, you know, makes me think probably more that Bivol would win because um, because that defense is going to be a problem. You know, Bivol is going to be moving, moving, but finding that defense. But at the same time, his ability to, you know, to go on the back foot and counter, if he fights Bivol that way, Bivol will find it hard. Like, he can't 
press perturbative. <laughs> just that would be a bad, damn bad idea. He can't do to perturbative what he did to Zerto, or even what he did to Canelo. So that, you know, obviously you want to see that fight. I think what we're most likely going to see is the already ordered, I think it's a WBC, uh, you know, one of the belts, mandatory against Callum Smith. And I understand why people are furious about that. It's nowhere near as good a fight, and Callum Smith's chances aren't very big. And I've seen, um, you know, um, I've seen some smart guys on Twitter already dismantle all the reasons why Callum Smith um, doesn't have much of a chance, and they're playing on. Um, Smith is a fighter who, to date, has uh, tended to... He invites pressure, but when the pressure's too good, he folds a bit and just covers up and stops you know he, he's a catch and counter fighter he likes to catch his opponents coming in and um and then force them to get back out again but if the pressure gets too intense he kind of just covers up and uh and relies on his big long arms to cover his torso and that's the worst thing to do against Baterbiev you can't do that against Baterbiev um he's almost definitely gonna lose and in that respect he is uh he has less chance than what we, than the yard we saw just now. It is worth noting that Callum Smith has a new coach too. He's no longer with Joe Gallagher, so he may have new tricks to his game. But I would say the other thing worth noting is that, um, I think Callum Smith is less likely to force Baturbiev to do something else than the yard, than the yard we saw here. But if he does, he is more dangerous because he's so fucking long. And, um, you know, that, if he forces Baturbiev to go on the back foot, that long, left counter on the back foot. If he catches Baturbiev with that, he's in trouble. So, you know, it's not a... It's not the fight we want to see, but it's fine, you know. It's not worse than what I think most of us thought this fight was going to be coming in, this uh, Anthony Yard fight. And in many ways, it's probably better, um, you know, than, than the fight we thought it was going to be. It's not... I don't... I, you know, I'm not going to... If this fight... If it's Callum Smith, I'm not going to sit here and predict another fight of the contender. But um, but there are reasons to think that not that Baturbiev is you know like like my preview for the Yard fight um, the list of reasons for Baturbiev to win are much much longer than the reasons for him not to but they are there reasons for him to lose to Callum Smith and I wouldn't you know I wouldn't hate that fight I'll happily watch it um, but yeah um, it's all there really is to say really it's a really good really damn good fight if you haven't seen it I don't know why you just sat listening to 15 minutes of me talking about it but uh, but yeah and as you know like I say I'm a Yard fan so I'm happy to see this from him um, and there's just so much, so many options like Dan Aziz there's just so many options for, for Anthony Yard anyway let's move on let's move on to just kind of briefly to the um, to the other other um title fight on this card and you will notice that I didn't say co-main event because this was an odd odd pacing where they uh, kind of opened with this and I say kind of because ESPN and um, and um, BT didn't start at the same time BT started half an hour earlier and had another guy on um, Kali Dali I'm going to talk about him very briefly in a second because what you know it was a, it was a performance against a uh, journeyman but um but I quite liked what I saw, but um, no, um, yeah, the main, like the main, the ESPN card kicked in at this point, and you know, BT obviously was already there. Um, it was Artem Delakin versus um, David Jimenez? It's clearly a case of they had a tight fight. They got on the cheap. They uh, there's no fans for either person in the building, so they stuck it earlier on the card. <sighs> it wasn't a very good fight. Um, 
It wasn't as bad as maybe I was making it out to be while, while it was live, but it wasn't good. I am also just biased against Artem Delakin. Um, you know, I wasn't... Uh, I haven't been impressed by his defences. He won the fight of Brian Valora in... The, the title of Brian Valora in... Um, was it 2013? No, 13, 2018. Uh, let me see. I'm just going to check this. Yeah, 2018, he won this um, flyweight... Um, WBA flyweight title and the flyweight division has been strong in that time. You know, I was going through it. Guys are guys in it. It's a strong division, and he's just fought basically no one. He's fought uh, Serge Tatayan, who may have a different fight name. Um, yeah, it's your Monkoy TP Freshmart. Um, I'm not familiar with him at all. Um, Gregor Lebron, um, another Thai, um, Sarawut Tawan Kam, who also had a fight name, but um, you know, again. These are guys without Wikipedia pages, which, you know, at, at lightweight, it's less, uh, at the really lightweight, so, so that's less of an issue than, you know, the higher weights, um, there are just going to be some, some fighters who don't make English Wikipedia, but there don't seem to be those, you know, they don't seem to be good fighters who, who, um, who are overlooked. He just kind of, you know, squash matches for Debakin to have. And then he fought Luis Concepcion, who, um, was very, very, very past his, uh, so by date, um, you know, uh, Concepcion's been done for years. Concepcion's best days were, um, yeah, you know, he fought Khaled Yafai in 2016 and he was already past his best then, you'd, you'd have thought. Um, and yeah, he's just been on a string of losses since then. And he's had, he's had, had a couple of wins, but, you know. Um, and in that fight, Delakin didn't look particularly good. So I was, I was hoping, I have to admit, you know, journalistic impartiality, I was hoping for Delakin to lose. Um, he didn't. He won, and I know. Um, I understand that um, the ESPN, the top ranked broadcast, was furious about this. That Andre Ward had himself gotten uh, a dislike for Delakin and just turned it into a complete bias against everything he was doing and pro everything Jimenez was doing. And I'll say that this that um, Delakin has previously looked borderline incompetent in the clinch and in close and you know when whenever he's basically been successfully pressed he he likes to jab and he jabs really well and he likes to move and then sort of blitz in and out with sharp combinations and he was doing that um previously when i've seen him in you know recent years his reception to being pressed really in any kind of way has been to headlock his opponent and he was doing that but he was also catching him in his quite well with combinations as he came in just you know, doing damage as he came in and left. And, you know, he, he was okay in the clinch too. And, you know, Jimenez is a... Jimenez is a pretty standard sort of fighter in terms of being... He's well-rounded. He fights with template. He's well-rounded. He has a good jab. He comes in with a high guard. You know, a decent bit of head movement. He basically... All the things that you would write on paper to describe a pressure fighter, he does quite well. None of them spectacularly, and he's not very fast. And he had his shots. He got his nicks in. If you'd have given this fight to him... You know, I wouldn't be surprised. But he just wasn't quite fast enough off the mark. Like, he was just a little bit too slow to everything for me. I didn't score, so I don't know exactly um, exactly how I would have had it. But, um, but you know, it didn't feel like, you know, it wasn't one or the other was winning outrageously clearly. It was a, it was a close fight. And, you know, it's a shame Delakian didn't win, but <laughs> didn't lose. Um, hopefully he fights one of the fellow champions anyway. Um, but, you know, fingers crossed... But yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't a good fight. I don't have an awful lot to say about it. 
Um, prospects on the card. Um, since I just mentioned him, I will talk about um, Khalid Ali very briefly. Just because he fought, you know, he was fighting Ivica Gogosovic, who is, uh, you know, one of those um, European. He's not in this case English, but one of those European um, journeymen with you know forty-five losses, twelve KOs. So he's not that easy to knock out. Not as uh, difficult as some of the journeymen are, but not easy to knock out. But I was impressed with the way. Um, Ali handled it because it was um, because the way he used his lead hand he's a he is a um, southpaw so his lead hand is his right and he uses it really well to um, he doesn't just jab with it he has a varied jab so he, you know, he uses a stoffer emerald jab a, a stiff emerald jab and he uses a whiplock jab and you know all the kind of different jabs but he also uses it to a sort of a hooky sort of thing to coral his opponent and move his opponent and you know he just basically uses his lead hand really well both to set up other things and to you know to move his opponent with it in his own right and it's just really nice to see from a young you know um from a young upcoming fighter um yeah, well to wait. I don't know how old he is because the box note doesn't say um if they did say on the night but um I haven't looked it up but in any case, yeah, it was, it was pretty neat, and I'm going to keep an eye on Khalid Ali. Um, the other two things to talk about, really, or well, one thing, um, yeah, like I say, Moses Atama, um, highly rated um, middleweight prospect, um, Karl McLachlan and um, Taylor, Taylor O'Higgins are both, you know, big fans of him, and think he's the best British prospect going, so, um, you know, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. He was fighting Marcel Bode, who, uh, you know, is a Czech guy at two, uh, 2-1 coming into the fight you know nothing, nothing on his record just there to be knocked over he hit his gloves and it went down um, it's not impossible you know we've seen it before of fighters getting knocked out by having a bad guard and getting hit really hard on their own guard so it's not impossible but come on <laughs> yeah you know yeah, there's nothing to say it was 15 seconds long there's nothing to say there um, his brother Karen is a light heavyweight and he was sort of being talked about as being all ready to get towards British level and, you know, start thinking about world level, maybe not now, but in the future, um, you know. And he was fighting his equal, as equal as Valdo Moderna, as Valdo Moderna, who is an Argentine, um, who's been around and he's lost a lot, but he's lost to, you know, not just the uh, really top guys, but he's lost mostly to, you know, rising guys and world level fighters and the guys who um, who are going to be or should be world level you know that kind of a he's a, he's a gatekeeper basically and he kept the gate and um, the thing for Itama was that Itama's quite tall and he very clearly re- was relying on his height for his defence his height and his speed for his defence and uh, Alfaldo Moderna is a little bit taller and Itama just had no answer to this. The right hands were coming over the top of the jab and just catching him. He thought he was at safe range and he wasn't. And he had no answer. He had no response. He had no. Uh, he had no second line of defense. He had no. Uh, he didn't have it in him to reset his feet to be like two inches further back to make those right hands fall short and use his feet to get in and out. He just didn't have any of that. And that's a pretty embarrassing failure for someone with the hype that he had. And look, he's young. He's um. He's twenty-two. He's got a long time to learn. And this was a big learning experience. So he looks, you know, there were other things that he does that looked technically solid. Going forward, like some of his attacks look really clever for a 22-year-old, um, you know, light heavyweight British 
like a lot of the time the guys in this division in England in the UK are they're coming through pretty late like you've got your Craig Richards and your Dan Aziz um, and your Lyndon Arthurs um, they're all in the 30s um, so uh, so he's coming through very early um, yeah he's got a lot to learn but you know hopefully he does He's, he's in a good division to learn in, um, if he stays at the weight. Because the, the commentators made some mention that he might need to move up. I don't know about that, but but you know they may have some behind the scenes knowledge that I don't. Mm, anything else? Nothing really on this card that I want to talk about. There was another card. It was a design card. Um, Alexis Rocha versus um, George Ashey, um, which George Ashey was a late replacement because because um, he was meant to be. Uh, Anthony Young, um, who you know, I'm not, I'm not really familiar. These are guys. It's all slip part. You know, I've heard their names. I've definitely heard Alexander Rush. I've heard Anthony Young. I hadn't heard of George Ashley before. Um, I haven't seen this fight. I will catch up. It's worth noting if you're not really familiar with Alexis Rocha, It's worth noting because Terence Crawford was at the fight, and it appears that he may be on the verge of signing for Golden Boy. He might not, but in any case. Golden Boy are definitely trying to get um, Russia in the ring with Terence Crawford. I doubt he's good enough to trouble Crawford, but he might be. You never know. He's a, he's um, you know, he's he's an upcoming opponent for one of the best fighters. It might be worth watching. And apparently, it was a good it was a good knockout, and um, you know, an exciting not exciting. It was a one sided by all accounts, but anyway, um, just worth having him under radar. Is what I'm trying to say here. Um, next week uh, is a um, big women's boxing fight with uh, Amanda Serrano fighting Erica Cruz at um, 126 um, and it's going to be undisputed un- uh, for the undisputed because Serrano when she fought Kate Taylor that was oh, let me just check the divisions um, prepared as always because um, in case you're wondering because my name is Polish and that's how I uh, Refer to myself, <laughs> um, you know, when I'm not speaking English. Anyway, um, yeah, um, this is at featherweight. The um, fight against Katie Taylor was at light. Um, so, yeah, obviously, uh, weight difference there. She's coming down a couple of divisions um, to one, two, six. And like I say, Erica Cruz has one of those belts. So, um, so this is a unification. It's a uni- unifying division, division into undisputed. Let's put it that way. Um, and the card also has um, another undisputed title fight between Alicia Baumgartner and Elham um, McCallid, who's a French French boxer, who um, I guess doesn't have one of these belts. So Baumgartner is she already undisputed? I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, Bam Gardner won. Yeah, obviously when she fought Maya, <laughs> what I'm talking about when she fought Maya, she became undisputed. So she's fighting Elham uh, McAllen. I don't know anything about McAllen, and she lost her last fight um, against Delphine Pursuit, which um, looks like it was. I'll get confused. Um, you know, um, no, it was in this division. So yeah, I don't know why she has got the chance to fight for the undisputed world title after losing, but um, she has. You know. And there's a bunch of other stuff on that card. It's uh, it's another um, women's only woman. It's, in fact, it's not all women. Um, there is a couple of box uh, of guys lower on the card, but it's led by the women. Sky Nicholson is also on it. Um, Sky Nicholson is really cool. If you don't, are not familiar with her, she's not 
an aggressive fighter. She's a um, she's an outboxer. Um, she trains, I believe, with Sunny Edwards' coach, um, Grant Smith, and you can kind of, you know, they're not similar, but you can see the focus on the footwork. And Sky Nicholson is, you know, when we talk about women's boxing, there are women who are re- you know, really good at it, but the the level between you know the elite women and the elite men is not quite, you know, they're not they're not at the same level. But occasionally, you see someone who's as good at something as, you know. Almost any of the guys. Um, and Sky Nicholson's footwork is really good. There are not very many um, male boxers who um, who couldn't stand to watch Sky Nicholson boxing and you know at least watch what she does with her feet. You know, and clearly the level of opposition hasn't been all that. You know, all that kind of thing. How she does when someone can manage to corner her, all that kind of thing. You know, that that that's still to learn, but. Uh, and she's fighting an unbeaten opponent who I know nothing about, and we'll have to look up um, Tanya Alvarez, who's Spanish, who's 21, so she's a kid as well. Um, Scott Nicholson is 27, so she's not a kid, she just looks really young. Um, but uh, yeah, that it could be interesting, and you know, Sky Nicholson's just, uh, yeah, she's just fun to watch, basically. I mean, not everyone enjoys that kind of movement game, but I do. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's next week's card. Um, I hope to cover it, I hope I um, hope to podcast it next week, but... Um, you know, health permitting that will be the, the case. Uh, yeah. Other than that, thanks for listening. Um, follow me at Crafty Boxing. Follow the fight site at the fight site, and uh, I'll see you next time. Sign up for a patron. Sign up for a patron. I'm warning you. Anyway, yeah, do do all that, and um, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.